And so, I'd like to share a few thoughts on Peter with you. But the main aim of this reflection is for us to be encouraged by recognising what was going on in the life of Peter and in his relationship to God. Because Peter was a simple man. He was a Galilean fisherman. He was not well educated. He held no particular authority. He didn't have any particular status. He was not a proud man. Let's face it, in secular terms, there's nothing there to be over-proud about. He was an impulsive man. A man who was very quick to say yes and very quick to say no. He was a very ordinary man. And yet God chose Peter through whom God was going to bring about magnificent things. Magnificent things. And so here is the first encouragement. If you are like me and find this man easy to identify with, Someone who is very ordinary. Someone who makes mistakes. Someone who wants to live in the right way, but so often doesn't. Then this message will really relate to you as it relates to me. Because God is saying through all this, Peter, I love you. I will have a relationship with you that will never die in spite of your own limitations, in spite of your own failings, in spite of your own sense of unworthiness. Now that ought to sink very deep into the hearts of each one of us. That God accepts us where we are. Peter was no role model for Jesus to choose any more than any of us are role models. None of us is perfect, and yet that doesn't matter to God. God loves us in spite of our shortcomings, in spite of our failings. So let us really take that deep 
into our hearts. And so let us look at the relationship of Peter with Jesus and with God in general. And it's an amazing story. It's a really amazing story. The very first words that Jesus ever speaks to Peter, who was at that time known as Simon, we find recorded in the first chapter of Mark, verse 17. And the first words that Jesus speaks to Peter are these. Come and follow me. And that's precisely what Peter did. Because the Bible tells us that at once, at once, Peter followed. Some translations say immediately he followed. The point is, there was nothing of any instant second that prevented Peter from following Jesus. And we read on that those who Jesus called at that first time went with him into the synagogues. They saw him in action, if you like, and would obviously be very touched and very moved by this amazing man. And yet, Peter then, with the others, would go back to their daily work. Peter would go back to the shores of Galilee and pick up his job as a fisherman. And that might have been the end of the story, but it isn't. Because we read in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11, we read of a second calling upon Peter by Jesus. But unlike the first calling, where Jesus was simply revealing himself to Peter, this time around, the second calling, Jesus says, come and follow me, and the Bible tells us that Peter then left everything behind in order to follow Jesus. And so this second calling was a calling which resulted in sacrifice in Peter. Peter downed tools. He left all that he had known and he followed the Lord. And he didn't know where the Lord was going to take him. But Peter followed him. Now again, in those two calls, there is something significant that we need to remember. And that is, if any of us simply respond to a first call, then we need to think to ourselves, is this enough? Now what I mean by this is this. In that first call, we see Peter acknowledging Jesus. And that might be where many of us are within our own faith. That we acknowledge Jesus, we believe in him. But it doesn't really go anywhere. 
Whereas with this second calling, where Peter is called to leave the place of security and all that he has known, in order to actively follow Jesus, then this is something else. Now don't worry, I don't believe God calls many people to leave where they are and all that they've known to follow him. But I do believe that Jesus does call us to be ever more committed to him. And so that's an interesting dimension that we need to be aware of, particularly as we look ahead to next weekend. Now, the thing about the calling of Simon Peter, which again is encouraging for us, is that Jesus called this ordinary man in the same way that he has called each one of us. He called Peter because he knew here in this ordinary man, who had no feelings of anything of high status about himself, not thinking himself to be any more important than anyone else, that God was able to use that heart of humility in order to perform wonderful acts of grace. And so what God is wanting from those whom he calls is a willing, open heart. A heart which is desiring to follow his ways. The heart that is desiring to follow his ways wherever that may take us. Now as we begin by looking at Peter, the first words of Jesus were, come follow me, in Mark 1.17. So the last words that are recorded that Jesus ever said to Peter, we find in the final chapter of the Gospel of John, where Jesus says, you must follow me. There is an imperative there. But in between that first calling of come follow me and the final calling you must follow me, we see ourselves through the lives of Peter. I would strongly suggest. We see a man who we've already heard two readings about, you could be forgiven for thinking, is this the same man that we're, that we're being told about? Here is Peter who, in one breath, and this is very much the climax of the Gospel of Matthew, when asked by Jesus, who do you say I am? Peter's response is the confession that he is the Christ, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. The Son of God. And that confession of Peter, as I say, is the pivotal verse of the Gospel of Matthew. Designed to show 
those in the tradition of Judaism, that the one that they had waited for, for so long, had arrived. Isn't it so sad that many were not able to see that? But here is Peter, who confesses who Jesus is, and yet we read on the night of Jesus' arrest, we read of Peter saying not once, not twice, but three times, I don't know the man. I don't know the man. The very man that only earlier he had seen and understood and knew to be the Messiah the Son of God. And so one moment he's on a high. The next moment he's on a low. Do you remember the story of Jesus walking on the water? That miracle that follows the feeding of the 5,000. Well in that story again we see an amazing example of the lack of faith of Peter, because as Jesus is walking to the boat upon the water and makes himself known, Peter's response is, if it's you, Lord, ask me to come to you. So Jesus says, come. Peter gets out of the boat and he begins to walk on the water, the Bible tells us, but then, but then, does not succeed in walking on the water at all. That lack of faith, though ye of little faith, says Jesus in reply to what he's seen Peter do. The impulsive Peter, who says, yes Lord, I'll come to you, and, I, and I've got the enthusiasm to come to you, I'll come to you, but whoops, when I've taken a certain distance and I see what have I done and I begin to recognise that I've got hundreds of feet of water below me and I may be seeing huge waves coming against me because the thing about the Sea of Galilee is that it can be tranquil one moment and very, very stormy the next. It's whoops, what have I done? And in the what's what have I done, this comes in the lack of faith and one sinks under that, through that lack of faith. And those dangerous waters that Peter will have suddenly realised that he was walking on, spiritually represent all those things in our lives that can come against us. And whilst on the one hand, impulsively, we may say, yeah, we're Christians, yes, Lord, we will follow you, the moment we start to do that, we may begin to recognise that, whoops, we've bitten off perhaps a bit more than we can chew. Oh dear, the waves are getting stormy. And those stormy waves, are there to disable faith. 
And those stormy waves in our lives may be the loss of a loved one. They may be relational breakdowns. They may be a nasty letter coming through the letterbox demanding money that you owe or a big bill that you didn't foresee. It may be a sad telephone call that you receive having woken up on a bright morning full of joy. And in those great wave moments of life then our faith comes under testing. And yet, the wonderful thing is that in spite of this, God holds on to Peter and we read beyond Jesus' earthly life, him coming to Peter again and his disciples at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, giving his disciples the agenda for church work in every generation, in every part of the world. As so God hadn't finished with Peter, even after Jesus had died, still less the fact that Peter, through obedience to Jesus who said, go and wait in the city of Jerusalem, wait there for the Holy Spirit to come down upon you, Peter does this, and he waits in Jerusalem, and on the day of Pentecost, God is going to do something else amazing with Peter. He's going to pour out his Holy Spirit upon this ordinary man, upon this man with no education, with this man with no pride, no learning, a man who had been portrayed to be a coward, someone who had run away, somebody who said, I do not know who Jesus is. And yet that same man, because the power of God, stands up and he says, Men of Israel, know this, that this man, Jesus of Nazareth, whom you crucified, is both Lord and Christ. And he says that this man that you crucified has not laid upon the ground, but has risen to life. That courage stands in such stark contrast to the coward that we have read about. And this is God working through ordinary people to bring about wonderful things for him. And so full of the Holy Spirit, Peter then devotes himself to bringing about, as Jesus said he would, the first church in Jerusalem, of which Peter was one of the great, great leaders. And through the activities of that church that are so wonderful to read in the second chapter of Acts, through that church, the church through obedient people and God-empowered people begin to take the gospel away and out from Jerusalem and out into the world where we must be going 
in our future, to take the gospel out into the world. But even after all that, God has still not finished using this man, Peter. For we find in the New Testament two magnificent letters. One Peter and two Peter. And these letters are a great encouragement to me today. And I hope for you today. Because those letters are purposed and written by a man who had gone through the ups and downs, who had gone through the uncertainties, who had gone through those times of a lack of faith, who had gone through those times of immense faith, and who had a full understanding of your lives and my life as Christians. And so he wrote two letters to encourage us. The first letter, 1 Peter, is a letter which is written to encourage Christians to persevere in the face of attack from the world. To face attack from outside of the church. And that attack upon Jesus is going on powerfully today by this world in which we live. As Christians are being more and more marginalised by more and more laws and more and more globalisation. That real sense of threat to the position of a Christian where we now are told that we must watch what we say. Because if we claim uniqueness through Jesus Christ, we stand on very fragile ground legally. Well, read 1 Peter and, and look at the way Peter encourages the people of God to stand firm in the face of the attack from outside. And we, in taking the gospel into the outside world, can expect attack from the outside world. But we are people who are empowered by God. We are people who are following God's ways. And as we see through the example of Peter, God is not going to let go of us. He is going to care for us and protect us and love us and show his forgiveness to us no matter what the world throws at us. So why should we be worried? Why should we have horizons that are so low? And to Peter is an equally important letter. Because in 2 Peter, Peter is at pains to encourage Christians within the church to be able to discern the truth and the will of God in the light of many false teachers, as Peter refers to them as. 
people who are within the church, but are there with their own agendas, who are proclaiming as facts things that are anything but facts, to proclaim things about Jesus which are downright lies. And to Peter is a wonderful letter which shows the Christian, the ones who really want to discern the will of God in the face of false teaching, ways of doing that. And so, as we look to our future, let us acknowledge there are dangers out there, and there may be dangers within. But, in spite of these things, God is still in control if we allow him to be. And as he demonstrates time and again, whatever we have fallen short with, he will never, ever let us down. And so I finish with this statement, which I believe from the bottom of my heart, that the Lord will lead us into a new future. But that future will be one in which he sustains us and one in which he will bring glory to himself and an increased number of citizens into his kingdom. We pray God that that is what will happen out of the church consultancy that we may honour God, and through honouring God, many will come to know the Lord Jesus as their personal Lord and Saviour.